Hello everyone and welcome to episode 19 of the History of Middle Earth podcast. My name is Phil and I will be your guide for today's adventure back to Middle Earth. Today's episode is brought to you by Jarrett Reyes. To start us off today, we're going to be going over this coming week in Middle Earth history. Unfortunately, it's not a super exciting week where a lot was happening. But Tuesday, April 6th, is the Elven New Year, and it's also Samwise Gamgee's birthday. And he was born in 2980. That following Thursday, the 8th, is when the Ringbearers were honored in the field of Kamalan after the War of the Ring. Today's episode is going to be pretty short, and I was going to add in some more to it, but nothing seemed to really fit too well with our topic today of the Valentiri. I was going to do maybe or think or something, but they just seem to fit better used in further on episodes. So we're just going to dive right in, and then we have an awesome question from Chase McKinney after we get through this topic. So, the Palantiri, sometimes called by its translation as the Seeing Stones, were stones that could be used in communication with one another, and also see many things across the face of the world. When its master looked in it, he could communicate with other stones and anyone who might be looking into them. People of great power can manipulate the stones to see virtually any part of the world. The Palantiri were probably made by Feanor in the uttermost west, and many, many Palantiri were made, but the exact number is not known. And a master stone was made and was in the Tower of Avalone. The Eldar brought some of them to Amandil to comfort the faithful, aka Numenorians, as the shadow fell upon Numenor and they couldn't visit them anymore. The stones were perfect spheres, appearing to be made of solid glass or deep black crystal. The smallest stone was about a foot in diameter, and the largest stones were far too big for a single man to bear. And they were unbreakable, although some thought they would possibly be destroyed by the fires of Druin, more commonly known as Mount Doom. Elendil took seven with him in his passage to Middle-earth upon the downfall of Numenor. And when the realms in exile were formed in the Second Age, 3320, they were distributed to seven different locations. Elendil kept three in Arnor, and four were given to its sons in Gondor. They were used largely for men mental communication, but also to see what was occurring throughout their respective realms, and know the plans of their enemies. Their existence was never common knowledge, and no one was allowed easy access to them, save for the kings and rulers or appointed wardens or by just royal command. One by one, the stones vanished from public knowledge and were lost. The Osgiliath stone fell into the Anduin during the kinstrife and the burning of that city in TA 1437, when Arvidui, king of Arnor, was shipwrecked and his line ended in 1975, he drowned along with the Palantiri that came from Amun-Sul, aka Weathertop, and Anuminas the only communicating stones of Arnor. When Minas Ethel fell in 2002, the stone was assumed destroyed in general. The wiser and more foresighted men of Gondor decided that in case Sauron had seized the stone, they would stop using the Arnor stone to prevent any contact with the Dark Lord. 
as the Lusterian stone was locked away and could not answer the other stones anyway, the only remaining stone was the Orthanc stone, which became useless to the Gondorians. When Baron gave Saruman the deserted but secure Orthanc in 2759, he likely assumed that Saruman, head of the leading order against Sauron, the White Council, he would keep it safe. Psych. Several of these hidden or lost stones came to light during the War of the Ring. Previous to this, Saruman used his Palantir to gain knowledge and eventually was caught when he dared to look toward Mordor. And because of that, the, the War of the Ring was great, greatly affected by these stones. He is gathering all evil to him. Very soon he will have summoned an army great enough to launch an assault upon Middle-earth. You know this? How? I have seen it. Palantir is a dangerous tool, Saruman. Why? Why should we fear to use it? They are not all accounted for, the lost seeing stones. We do not know who else may be watching. Later in the final weeks of the war, its rightful master, Aragorn II, wrestled it to his will so that it no longer had a connection with the stolen Ethel Stone. The second Palantir to be revealed was that of Minas Arnor. Denethor II had glanced towards Mordor with it, but his great hate of incarnate evil and power of will prevented him from being snared. Though it taxed him greatly, partially because of what he saw, he eventually committed suicide. The stone was later used by Aragorn, though it is said that anyone of weaker will who looked into it would see the writhing hands of Denethor in his final agony. The final fate of most of the stones is unknown. The Alasterian stone was taken west with the ring bearers in the year 3021 of the Third Age, severing the last link of Middle-earth to Valinor. The stones of Arnor and Orthanc are believed to have been reinstated in the reunited kingdom, and used officially once more. The Minas Ethel stone may have been destroyed in the fall of Berardur, but it was possible that it too was found and reused in the reunited kingdom. Whether or not the other three lost stones were ever found is never indicated, and before the Osgiliath stone rolled into the Anduin and neither is somewhere in the Anduin or made its way all the way out to sea, nobody knows. The stones of Arnor, however, were lost in the frozen seas of Horachel, and therefore it is highly unlikely that they will ever be recovered. So for a general overview, the Second Age 3319 was the downfall of Numenor, and the Seven Stones are taken to Middle-earth by the faithful Numenorians. And Third Age 861 was the division of Arnor, and the Amun Sul Stone is contested by, the Arth by Arthedain, Cardalon, and Rudar, TA 1409, the Watchtower of Amun Sul is destroyed by Angmar's forces, and the Amun Sul stone is taken to Fornos Dorain. TA 1437 was the burning of Osgiliath, and the Osgiliath stone fell into the Anduin. And speaking of, the stone was kept. If you look at a map of Osgiliath, you see a couple bridges going across, and the one, the bigger bridge, has right in the middle of the sea, or not the sea, right in the middle of the river. You see kind of a large circular shaped building that did have a dome on it. That's where the stone was kept. Anyway, TA 1974, that was the fall of Arthedain. 
and Arvadui salvages the Amun Soul and Anumina stones and takes them with him. TA 1975, Amun Soul and Anuminas stones sink in Forachel. TA 2002, Sauron seizes the Menazethal stone and Gondorian stop using the Arnor and Orthanc stone. TA 2759, Saruman assumes control of Orthanc and the stone within. TA 3000, Saruman is officially corrupted by the stone and Sauron. TA 3019, the stone is thrown by Wormtongue, and Aragorn twists the stone into to his will. TA 3021, the Alasterian stone is taken west on the white ship. And there you have it, the history of the Palantiri. We have a question from Chase McKinney. He says, my dear friend and most knowledgeable guide of Middle-earth, that's Chase, I'm curious about the belief system of Middle-earth and its inhabitants. I'm currently reading The Silmarillion for the first time, God help you, and reading just the preface, I see Tolkien speak of Iluvatar as the god. Were there followers of Iluvatar in a similar manner as, as that of Christ followers, Buddhists, Hindus, etc.? Is there any proof, especially in, in any of the ages, that Middle-earth folks gathered to praise and worship Iluvatar? Well, yes and no. Tolkien didn't add any official organized religion to any of his works just because it was his personal preference. However, there were some groups, or a group in particular more so, the Numenorians, that did worship Eru, although most of the worshiping was done by the other gods. But the Numenorians worshiped Eru in the three prayers held during the, during the course of a year. Can't talk. And had the Menaltarma, which is the giant mountain you see right in the smack dab in the middle of the island of Numenor, completely devoted to him. Basically, the whole mountain itself was a kind of holy mountain, and then on top, I believe it was called the Hallow, it was a little like temple, and that's where they would go to worship. And they would do what was called the Three Prayers, which, I, for those who are really good with wordsing, I'm probably going to butcher these pronunciations, and I apologize ahead of time, but here we go. They are called the Iru Irme, which translates to Prayer to Iru, the Iru Leitale, which trans translates to Praise of Iru, and the Iru Hantale, which translates to Thanksgiving to Iru. And they would take do those over the course of the year, spread several months apart, kind of in the spring, summer, and autumn. And during these ceremonies, the king or queen of Numenor, and of course tons of people, would get all dressed up in white gowns and garlands and would ascend the men, the mental tarma. And as you, while you're on that mountain and going up, you are basically bound to complete silence. And even when you get to the temple, only the king or queen can kind of give the, the prayer and celebration to Iru. And it's kind of everyone there all in one doing it together. But the king or queen is doing the talking. And then during those times, three of the great eagles would hover over the mountain above, which was cool because no livestock or animals, wild or other, um, were on this mountain as you would be going up. You wouldn't see any kind of animals on it, but as they did the prayer, three eagle, great eagles would come and they kind of named them as witnesses of Manway and believe that their presence showed the elder king's approval of what they were doing. 
So, but outside of that, the Numenorians going hard to worship the you know the one God over all the others. There was no real like talk of religion and worshiping the gods outside of that. And that is it for this episode. If you want more content, check out our website ministerialarchives.com. Check out our Facebook page and group, History of Middle Earth Podcast. We are on Instagram at History of Middle Earth Pod. And check us out on Discord, and you can find the link for that in the episode description. Feel free to subscribe, leave us a review, let us know how we did. Thanks you again for listening, and if you have any questions, feel free to send them in on any of our social media pages or through our email, ministerialarchives at gmail.com, and we'll answer it on a following episode. Thanks so much for listening and hope to see you back next time. Till then, I'm your host, Phil, and you're listening to the History of Middle-Earth Podcast.